Hey, welcome to Annotated ELA, a podcast for ELA teachers looking for ways to engage and motivate your students to be better readers, writers, communicators, and people. I'm your host, Melissa, a classroom teacher with 20 years experience in middle school. Join me right here each week for practical tips, stories, inspiration, and actionable strategies to use in your classroom and some laughs. Are you ready? Let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode of Annotated ELA. I am so excited that today we have the vocabulary queen, Liz Puma from Vocabulicious. Liz began her career as a fourth and fifth grade teacher in Vermont. After seven years in the classroom, she transitioned to the world of educational technology. She was first a professional development trainer, then an instructional coach, and now a curriculum consultant. Liz is the founder and author of the blog and TPT store Vocabulicious, an upper elementary teacher's guide to creating a word-conscious classroom, where she shares low-investment, high-return ways to incorporate vocabulary instruction across the whole school day. And we are so excited to have her. You can find Liz at vocabulicious.com, and all of the links to her resources will be in the show notes. Welcome, Liz. I'm so happy to have you. Hi, Melissa. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. Yes, let's dive in and get to it. So why did you decide to focus your business and your blog on vocabulary instruction? Well, it's a little embarrassing to admit, but when I was maybe three or four years into teaching fourth grade, I realized that I was not teaching vocabulary at all, and I really had no idea where to start. So I was feeling really overwhelmed and, you know, a lot of professional development sessions and courses just throw big books at you. We were just actually talking about one, Words, Words, Words by Jenna Allen. That's one of my favorites. And as much as those books are really helpful, it's really time consuming to dive into a huge training teacher book. And I didn't have the time on my hands to do that. So I started just Googling vocabulary tips, vocabulary blogs, quick, easy, simple vocabulary activities. And I really couldn't find anything. I saw a lot of ELA blogs that had one or two posts about vocabulary strategies, but nothing that also included activities, games, printables, lesson plans. So I really thought, wow, this could be a nice niche and I could be helping somebody else out that struggles with vocabulary or teaching vocabulary. And so that's why I started my blog back in 2016. I started the blog first and got a following there before now having also the Teachers Pay Teachers store and um, some other social media avenues as well. What made you think that vocabulary was so important to teach with your students? Why did you dive into that part of your teaching? Well, to be honest, I think as a student myself, as a kid, that was really something that was missing for my education. You know, I went to take the SAT in high school and I, it was so above my head that it was scary. <laughs> I'm not a great test taker too. So that, you know, wasn't great, but yeah, so that was, you know, that's a weakness was a weakness of mine too. So I was like, you know what, as a teacher, I already did a really good job of teaching kids how to love to read. That was also something that I didn't love to do as a kid. And so kind of the next phase of that was to really help them grow their vocabulary and love words. That's really where it all started was just helping myself to love words and learn new words and then helping kids to love them too. And you had mentioned um, feeling overwhelmed and it was being time consuming. 
just to even think about vocabulary instruction. So what are some quick and easy ways that you found that you can incorporate that vocabulary instruction to save time? Well, first and foremost, like anything you do in your classroom, it's really important to build a routine. So if I, if I learned anything throughout this process of trial and error, and I ended up actually writing my master's thesis on vocabulary instruction, because I was so deep in the blog anyway, I was like, oh, might as well keep going. And I think I read somewhere that there's over 80,000 words in the English language, and it's really hard to know where to start. So you're going to find a thousand lists online. Honestly, no matter what words you teach, they're words the kids didn't know before you taught them. So obviously choose a list. First of all, that's relevant and words that they'll actually use and that are age appropriate. And then from there, incorporate it into things you're already doing. So my favorite way as an elementary teacher was during interactive read aloud. I was doing that every day anyway. I absolutely loved that time. That was a sacred 20 to 30 minutes, usually during our morning meeting of our day. And it was easy to pull out two, three words from the book and use those for a few days. I I did like words of the week was really my simple way to start. And I incorporated all through, through the read aloud. I think for middle school, although I know Melissa uses picture books in her middle school classroom, I know not all middle school teachers do. So maybe make it your bell work the first few minutes of the period or use graphic organizers to help teach new words. Really, the best thing to do is to make sure that kids are getting a lot of exposure to the same word over and over again. The quality of of their word knowledge is much more important than how many words you teach in a year. Have you, are there, is there a certain amount of times? I know we're not tracking, but you want to use it as many times as possible, but did you find it difficult to make sure you were using those words over and over and getting the kids to use those words? Definitely. It's not easy. And through my research, I also read somewhere way back when I kind of uh, held on to this little piece of data that the average student needs an exposure of 40 times before a word really sticks. So yeah, I, I mean, am I hitting 40 times in a month? Probably not. But the more you can hit, the better. A really good way to do that is to have a word wall in your classroom and post the words up on the wall that you're teaching and actually refer back to them. Don't let them collect dust. So that's a really good way. And then I hate to use the word mandating, but heavily encouraging students to use the words in their writing and maybe in a think-pair-share type of conversation just helps to increase that exposure over and over again. Which leads me to what was or what is your favorite vocabulary teaching strategy? Well, as I mentioned, interactive read aloud is hands down, definitely my favorite way to incorporate vocabulary and using some type of organizer to help kids collect and record information or notes about words. But if I had to choose a second favorite, it would be an interactive notebook. I know we do those for math and science and we've got all the notebooks, but having one dedicated for vocabulary and new word learning is really, really great way to not only help them to keep track of words, help them when they need to refer back to the definition, because they're not going to remember every word you teach. And that's okay. It's going to make them their own little personal journal or or dictionary. And it really helps you to keep the words alive all year. Because when they ask 
you know, oh, what was that word on the word wall? Oh, I don't remember that word. Let me go back to my journal. Plus, you can track progress. I would have students, um, I would have little writing prompts in their journal that they would use the vocabulary word in the prompt. And you can really track their writing from beginning of year to end of year throughout that notebook. So that was also a nice piece, a little portfolio at the end of the year. It's definitely some things that teachers may be doing, but not doing intentionally, right? Like having those notebooks, doing those bell ringers, it's just intentionally starting to incorporate more specific words and just picking words, like you said, that are relevant. Cause I think that is a big problem. I mean, I have all the books, the hundred words every middle schooler should know. And, you know, they're great words and it's not killing them, but is it really relevant to what we're doing in the moment with our instruction? And so I'll have them up there and it's fun, but I, I actually think a word wall would be really great in middle school too. So for all those middle school teachers, especially I think in the content areas when we get into middle school, because they need those content specific vocabulary words too. And they need to see that that lives across all content areas once they're outside of elementary school, because I know you're all self-contained and doing it all day. Those words are important too. So I'm just thinking out. Absolutely. Do you have (laughs) a suggestion? You were talking about interactive notebook and having just, you have one whole notebook just dedicated to vocabulary for them. Is that how you would do it in your classroom? Yes, that is how I would do it. If that seems a little overwhelming or they're, like I said, they're already having math science notebooks and you know, how many notebooks can you really have? You could make um, like a word study or spelling notebook and have half be your spelling sorts and practice for the week and half be vocabulary. If you're more of a three ring binder person, you could have pages that you just hole punch and keep, you know, with different tabs. I tried the folder thing. It does work. It's better than nothing, but papers fall out and, you know, get disorganized. So not probably my least favorite option, but also could work if you have them kind of cleaning out the folder enough and not having it be too messy. <laughs> just choosing what works in the classroom and what the routine is. Cause I know you mentioned setting up that routine. So it's just finding what's going to work in the classroom. Absolutely. Good advice. So you talked a little bit about having the students using the vocabulary in their writing. And when they're talking, what tools would you give the students to help them improve their word choice when they were writing? How would you continue to encourage that use of the words when they were writing? Well, I think that Back to kind of the the thought about using words that are relevant, you really want to be teaching words that they're naturally going to be able to easily incorporate into conversation and in writing. There's really no better way. That's kind of the the golden ticket there. If if you're giving them obscure words, (laughs) other than in like science, obviously, that they're never going to hear again, it's going to feel so awkward for them to incorporate it into their writing. So that's really the first step, again, is just choosing a list, really sticking with it, and making sure it's relevant and age appropriate. And then as far as like, obviously writing prompts, you know, here are the five words we learned this month. Please use them in your story. That's an easy way. Another way, which I'm sure Melissa does because she's a, a writing queen, is to give them some like printable charts, like the set is dead or figurative language examples. Like all that is word choice. It doesn't have to be some fancy vocabulary word from social studies that they're fitting in, it, it, you know, it's just really making their writing stronger, the show not tell prompts, things like that. That's, that all to me falls under the word choice vocabulary umbrella. 
yeah, just getting them to try something new, put themselves out there. And I think you're right with the relevant. So this is personal too, because I know it can feel overwhelming planning any unit, any lesson. And I'm lucky enough to have a little bit of a pacing guide with all of my tier one, tier two words giving to me in advance. But when you would sit down to plan, I know it's any word is better than no word, but how would you pick your words with your elementary students? I know you would look at your unit, but there could be so many words, depending on the read aloud that you're doing, the words in the book that they might need to know, content specific words that they might need to know for whatever you're studying. How would you narrow it down and how many would you choose? Great question. So when I was just starting out, like the first year where I was like, okay, I haven't taught, okay, it's not my fourth or fifth year teaching and I haven't taught vocabulary yet and I need somewhere to start. I actually started with character trait vocabulary because that was threaded easily into the interactive read-alouds because most you know books were talking about characters. And I also found that when talking about their family or about a, a classmate, it was easy to say, you know, that classmate is compassionate or this one is obnoxious is a word I was just working on a resource for the other day. That was just an easy way to start. And I got that list off a professor at the University of Wisconsin did some research. It was called the Character Trait School Approach. And he basically immersed every grade level into a list of 20 character trait words throughout a school year and then tracked their progress. That was a great place to start because I kind of knew, all right, this already works. It was only 20 words to kick off for in a few months. And then I would relate it to a read aloud and offer additional practice his name is Patrick Maniak. I want to make sure to give him the credit. That's really where it all started. And then from there, like you said, finding a good tier one, tier two list, pulling out some social studies and science, because at the time I was teaching every subject. And if I have any advice, it's less is more. If you try a whole big list at one time, they're not going to learn the definition or meaning of any of them. Picking a handful, really sticking with that for a week or two over and over again, and then trying, you know, restarting the next cycle later in the month. And hopefully by doing that, we always talk about a love of writing and a love of reading, but if they can develop a love of words, they'll be finding words on their own to add. I mean, that would be the ultimate goal. I even think in elementary school that they're just excited about new words instead of feeling overwhelmed by them. And like, it's just another thing they have to do. So I think that's really great advice just to start with a small list and just get excited about it. Absolutely. And actually another way to make words relevant is to some extent, let the kids choose the words. My favorite book ever is The Word Collector by Peter H. Reynolds. He's like, you know, the king of picture books. And Jerome in the book, his hobby is literally collecting words. So what better way to get kids excited about kicking off? It's a great back to school, beginning of year activity. You know, they can start the word while they can bring in a word, their favorite word. They present it to the class. They explain why they chose it. And then other kids are likely to get invested and use the words that their classmates brought in plus theirs. So getting them involved too is a great way. Yeah, I agree. I know that this is a little off topic, but apathy is running rampant. I think even in elementary school, just with everything that's gone on the past few years. And so I think choice and then having a voice would really help with any instructional strategy. But I think vocabulary is so important for them to be successful in anything they do. But just starting with that is a really great place. 
So we've talked about it, but word walls, using them over and over. Is there anything else you wanted to add about making sure that when students are taught those words, that it sticks, that they take it with them, even after they leave your classroom? Well, I think something, a little note about the word wall that I started doing later on while I was kind of testing different strategies was I always provided a graphic or a picture or diagram that matched the meaning of the word. Because first of all, students that aren't on grade level might not be able to read the word off the word wall months later. And, you know, visual learners, just a really great scaffold or tool for them. So having that graphic really helps to like jog their memory and make that connection. And as you get more words up there, starting to talk about, okay, what words are connected to other words that we've already learned and starting to categorize them. And that really helps them to stick because now they're like putting them into different buckets. Something I, I liked to do was to use them in my teacher prompts instead of, why are you late today? Or why are, you know, maybe you're tardy or, you know, when you're taking attendance, trying to use some some cute words that relate to being attentive and eager and engaged, just little things like that. And then they start to pick up on that. If you use them enough, (laughs) they'll start to pick up on that. So using them in your conversation when you're talking and then getting them to talk about them too. So true. And when you talked about categorizing them, I mean, that is such a high level skill because even at the middle school level, when I have them try and put words into groups, That is so difficult for them, but so rewarding once they start to really have those discussions. And so I think that's really important. And the pictures. I mean, we all need that schema or something to hang that on so we remember. So I think that's really important to have those pictures and to have them start to put them into buckets like you called it. I mean, that's just so simple. And those can be quick things when you have five minutes and you're waiting to go to specials. Like, let's look at the word wall and talk about what we're doing. You could fit it in at any time if it becomes really part of that routine. So I'm going to use that. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, you're welcome. Something also, just another little activity that's easy and similar to that is the shades of meaning. Mm -hmm. And I always like to see it on the, the paint chips. It's hard to get the paint chips. So you might not be able to do it on that, but that is just an easy way. You could just have the kids color on a, on a paper, you know, what's the strongest word of the collection or of the bucket, and then all the way down to weaker and really start to compare and contrast because they might have different thoughts and, hey, that gets them talking about why they think one is weaker than the other. That checks a lot of boxes of getting them to talk and to practice, doing the categorizing, maybe even writing a sentence for each word. The more you can do that check, kill more birds with one stone, the better. Absolutely. That's funny. We just went over to Lowe's the other day, me and my husband and my two children. And we were, I mean, I have loads of paint chips now because I brought all of us so we could grab them. And I was like, what am I going to do with these? Some poetry, but that is such a great idea. And as a middle school teacher, I am not a fan of the bulletin board, but I have them. So you could even put that on your bulletin board or up next to the word wall words. Once they've done that, that's Thank you for that because I just got tons of paint chips and I can't wait to use that. (laughs) Ah, there you go. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) Because I think even seventh and eighth graders, high schoolers need that because they get stuck in those words they know. And there could be a better word choice, a more specific word, like you called it, the shades of meaning for them to use. Absolutely. And I realized that when we were talking about how to incorporate better words in their writing, I forgot to mention mentor texts mm-hmm. and, you know, reading aloud other writing that has strong words is a, a great way. And then honestly, pulling a piece of writing from their peers. You, you don't have to use their name if they don't want to, 
of putting it up on the board, sharing, you know, someone in your class, use the vocabulary word of the week. Don't you want to be the one whose example is next week? Just really showing them as much, as many examples as possible of those words being used in the writing just helps them to get excited and engaged with it too. I'm glad you brought that up because you had mentioned about the picture books and middle school teachers and then mentor text. And I think that's one of the reasons that I'm such a big proponent of the picture books. Vocabulary words that are in picture books are so amazing, but it's also less intimidating for all kids because Mm -hmm. when we're reading a novel or a longer short story, and while there's many authors at the middle school level that have beautiful language, it feels out of their reach. And so when you have a picture book and you can read it in 10 minutes, it feels so much more accessible at the elementary school level, at the middle school level. And so I think that's important to use that. And just the repetition, just constantly reading, 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 and exposing them to those words. There are some really deep themes <laughs> in picture books. If you really start to start to dig in and look around and, you know, I think I, I also read somewhere like every children's book follows the same 10 themes or something, eight to 10 themes. Once you start to realize that, again, categorize them in your library, try to figure out the ones that teach perseverance, the ones that teach about second chances or friendship or things like that. And then you can start to use the same vocabulary over and over when you're reading books about the same theme. You can really get creative with it. That's invaluable advice, invaluable advice. And for teachers that are out there that are like, well, how do I find these picture books? Do you have resources or suggestions? I know that on your Instagram, you often have posts with those picture books and what the theme is and some vocabulary words. So they should follow you there. But do you have other suggestions for how to start gathering picture books if you're not like me reading to a four and a seven-year-old all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Instagram is a great place to start. Again, I post usually a book of the week that uh, is matched with a vocabulary word. and, And in the caption, it will mention what the theme is. But I've also curated all the all of those picture books from Instagram and more on my website. So I have, I think it's called uh, the favorite books by vocabulicious page and it categorizes them into the different themes and gives you even a vocabulary word from the book that you could focus on if you want, or you could choose a different one, but it's already kind of there for you laid out. Yeah. You've done all the hard work for us. That's what I like to hear. (laughs) And Melissa, on your recent podcast episode, you gave some really good examples of picture books too. So that would be another place to go for some ideas. Yes. yes, I am curating a list as I go. It's an ever-growing list if they're interested because I really do want to expose them to more of that. And I don't care how big kids get, they love being read to. And I think Absolutely. the sillier and the more fun we have with it. And I, there's plenty of kids at every level that are below grade level. And they're coming into school with that word deficit because they weren't read to before school. And we just want to keep giving them that opportunity to get those words. But I do love your Instagram page. Well, I'm so glad that we had you today. But before we say goodbye, is there anything else or one thought you would like to leave the listeners about vocabulary? I think the main theme of my blog and when I get to talk to people is really just keep it simple. Pick a word list, do some research. Of course, you know, you want those high frequency tier one, tier two words, pick a word list, stick with it and make it your goal to have students have a deep knowledge by the end of the year. Now, don't make this word list 500 words. I would stick to maybe 50 to 75 words in a whole school year and then spread it out week by week and do a few at a time. And you'd be surprised by how quickly they pick them up and how they remember them. 
I appreciate that because it's easy as teachers to fall into that perfectionist. It has to be perfect. It has to be right. I have to do as many as possible. But we, we were talking about this before we started recording. Sometimes we overthink things and try to make them more difficult than they need to be. So keeping it simple is great advice. And having kind of a, an idea of 50 to 75, that makes it feel more doable. Yes. Something I always say, you know, you really only need 10 minutes a day. And part of that routine, it takes a few weeks to build it up at the beginning of the year. But part of that routine is using the same handful of activities each week with the words because they're not, they're now not having to learn a new activity and a new word because that takes quadruple the time and it can be confusing. So I like a word web or a word map, some people call them, using them in writing with a writing prompt, having the shades of meaning for a word, you know, and as you get going week after week, they're going to know what to do when the second they see the activity and it goes a lot faster. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for saying that. I call it rinse and repeat. Once you find strategies that work, don't change those strategies because you're right. They're too focused on learning the strategy and not the content that they're supposed to be getting from it. And so we talk about having classrooms that run themselves and everything else. It's getting that routine down, that procedure down, and then they just automatically can jump into it and get that content. So that is golden nugget advice just to rinse and repeat those strategies. I love that term, rinse and repeat. Exactly. <laughs> saves so yes. much time. So thank you for saying that. Yes. We were so glad to have you. This was very valuable information. I was telling Liz before we started that I am taking a recertification class on vocabulary because 20 years into teaching, I'm still not sure that I'm doing it well. So I'm so glad to have Liz as a friend to help me. Um, and if you want to find her, go to vocabulicious.com. She also has a TPT store. And you should find her on Instagram. All of the links will be in the show notes. Until next time, friends, the magic is in the process. Thanks for hanging out with me and listening to today's episode. For more support with all things ELA, visit my free resource page on my website at annotatedela.com slash free. Until next time, friends, remember, the magic is in the process.